mindfulness mode. You won't have to worry about what's coming in because you're just serving people. Hey, Mindful Tribe. If you're a coach, if you are a person that works with other people, maybe you're a healer, maybe you are a person that just thrives by helping people improve their lives, well, maybe you're a person who wishes you had more ways of connecting with your potential clients. Well, today I'm with a man who is on a mission to help speakers, coaches, authors, thought leaders to get their global clients to pay them. But even these are even people that they don't know through media. Maybe they just need to connect with them, but they don't quite know how to do it. And he will help you with this. And that's why we've called this episode, Be Everywhere All at Once. We're going to be talking about exactly what that means. I'm here today with Dr. Barrett Matthews. So Dr. Matthews, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am, Lisa. Thank you for having me, man. Oh, my pleasure. So Dr. Matthews, what does mindfulness mean to you? It means being present, um, being being present, being cognizant of everything that's around you and not taking things for granted. Well, it's very important not to take things for granted, that's for sure. And so I want to jump right in with be everywhere all at once. What is the, the meaning of that phrase to you and why are we calling the episode Be Everywhere All at Once? Well, I, Bruce, I, I, my background is in media and I was taught, and even in marketing, I was taught this, and a lot of your, your uh, followers or listeners have been taught this too, that you focus on one area of marketing and make sure that you just drill that and drill that until it works for you. And I kind of disagree with that paradigm. I, my whole thing is that there are people out there that need you, want you, and you need them and want them as far as a relationship, as far as business. And if you're focusing on one thing and your clients aren't even in that area, then you're missing them. So you need to find a way to be where your clients can find you. And you know, we're always taught to find that avatar and find out where those people are. And I, I say, no, don't find where the people are. Make it so that they can find you. So that way you can be where they are. And in that case, you have to be everywhere all at once. And so that sounds a little overwhelming, Barrett. (laughs) Be everywhere. How do we possibly do that? Because social media seems overwhelming at times. How do we do this without the overwhelm? (laughs) Great question. Great question. And to some people, it can be overwhelming. Um, And I think a lot of people overthink that when they hear be everywhere all at once, they overthink it. I always look at it like this. You have a podcast here and your podcast can reach thousands and thousands of people all over the world, but everybody doesn't listen to podcasts. So there are other people who would definitely be interested in your message, but some of them may read books. Well, if you don't have a book, you missed them. So what I say is this, why not take that podcast? Let's transcribe it and turn some of your episodes into a book. So now we can reach that audience. Or some people may like to watch streaming television to receive their information. Why not set up another camera and stream yourself doing this show? And that way now you can put put together a show around that. Or you can even take that camera and 
document yourself going throughout your day and create a documentary film. You're not really creating more, you know, more of anything. You're still doing the same podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just that you're just you're taking that that same content and repurposing it. And of course, as you know, you mentioned social media. You can take this same content and put it on different social media platforms so that now you have yourself being in different places all at one time and you're not missing those people that may be looking for you in the area that makes them comfortable. I I just believe a lot of people do what I call ego-based marketing of their business, meaning that we focus on an area which makes us comfortable. If we, if we feel, okay, I do podcasting, that makes me comfortable, I'm going to stay there. Yeah, but your audience isn't all there. <laughs> and you need to meet them where they are. If you meet your audience where they are, then they say, you know what, I like them. I may listen to the podcast if you meet them where they are. They, and they may refer people who like listening to podcasts to you. But if you haven't met them yet, they don't know what you're doing. And that's why, that's why I say that, you know, it's, it can be overwhelming, but you can take bite-sized approaches to it. And find and, and find a way. And then, if you want to create new content and, and other platforms, you can. But just take your podcast and you can repurpose it. Right. And so, do you recommend taking the whole video of each episode, or taking clips, little bits of each episode? The, the answer is yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I recommend both, actually, uh, and only because they can serve different purposes. And, and I say that because. I, like, for instance, I, I do a podcast. I take, I do a video of my whole podcast, and I put that on, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I also can take it and put that into a streaming TV show. I take clips, though, for promotion. So I can put that on social media to do clips of it to say, hey, this is what I got going on in this podcast. If you're interested, you may want to listen to the whole thing. So I could, yeah, the answer is yes to that because I, I think you can do both and still be successful. Tell me about your podcast. I know you've done two or three over the years. <laughs> yeah, uh, at least. <laughs> but my um, my podcast now is called Media Boss, uh-huh. Media Boss Podcast. And basically what I want to do is show people that you can make an impact if you encompass media with around your business and use it and, and put your put your business in different platforms at the same time so that now all those audiences can meet you just like just like i just mentioned you can so my podcast is about that and i find different people who are using media to grow their business and finding success with it well how do you do all this and maintain a level of mindfulness it's it's very simple to be honest with you um because i i don't I, 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 I had someone ask me a while ago, how do you avoid being overwhelmed? Yeah. And I said, I don't know what overwhelmed is. Um, I, I just don't. I don't let it get in. And in, in, I don't internalize those things. You know, um, someone, a coach of mine, uh, Myron Golden, he told me one time, don't get attached to the outcome. Mm-hmm. So if I don't get attached to the outcome and I just let things flow, I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. I just stay where I am. And I, I take, I, like I said, I don't, I don't like, I, I, with mindfulness, I, I talk about taking things for granted. I don't take for granted the blessings that I have around me, the people that I have around me, the team that I have around me, because I have people who help me. And I, I definitely uh, recommend that for people. And when I do that, I, things, I just, I feel at peace with, with, with what I'm doing. It's, it's fun to me. 
Okay. Well, I was, that was going to be my next question is, do you surround yourself with a team of people who help you? And it sounds like the answer is yes. What do oh. we do to start that? Like if you're right now working on your own, then you're thinking, well, maybe I need help. What, what's the first step? Well, it's funny. I, my, my, the first book I wrote was called, Why Didn't You Get It Done? And I, I was just telling someone just the other day, I said, said I coined a phrase saying that in order to get it done, you don't have to be the one. So I, I'll always look for people who do what you need to get done and do it better than you and do it more efficiently than you and hire those people. Because if they can do it better and do it more efficiently, probably means they like it. Mm-hmm. And if they like it, why not let them do it? A lot of a lot of business owners, Bruce, they, they find it hard to let go of their baby and let someone else help them with it. And it's the thing is, in order to grow, you're going to have to trust people. You're going to have to trust someone to, to do it. If they don't do well, you can still take it back. But, but the, the thing is, if you're going to be your most productive self, you're going to have to trust somebody to do the things that you don't want to do so that you can go on and do some other things that will help your business grow. So in, in this particular area, what I do is I have people who help me with certain things like editing and um, putting together promotional items for me. Now I'll promote them myself and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll put up, get on my, get on my podcast and do my job. But I let them do what they do, and I trust them to do it. I have people create my graphics. I have graphic artists, and I tell the graphic artists, I'm like, look, I have a concept, but I want you to create it because you're the artist. I'm not. So I want you to do what you do, and I want to get out of your way. And I let them do what they do because I have to trust them to do it. If I'm, if I'm micromanaging them the whole way, then I'm really not letting them do what they do. And so I, I believe in letting, if you're an artist, create art. It's like it's like trying to tell a chef how to cook your meal. It's not it's not it's not going to work. You got you got to let them be a chef. So that's what I do with, with my with my team. I let them do what they do, and they will come to me with different ideas. But and that's fine. I I can approve or not approve the idea, but I still want them to feel free to do that. Right. Tell me about your experience working in the media, because I know you haven't always helped people directly as you do now. What, what did you used to do in the media? Well, um, I was a, a well, I started I actually started in college. Uh, I, was a, I was a mass media arts major at Hampton University, and I kind of dove right in. I, I was the sports, a sports director for the, for the radio station. I used to call the games on the radio. Um, I also wrote for the newspaper. I hosted uh, the, uh, the post football game TV show. I was the sports anchor on the newscast we did there as well. And then I started doing internships and I interned at a TV station in DC, WSA TV, which is a CBS affiliate. And I met a guy there. Um, if you follow sports, anybody's aware of uh, the sports guy, James Brown. I met him there. And he took me under his wing and he became a mentor to me, helped me, helped me even finish my senior thesis in school. He, uh, then when I got out of college, he put in a recommendation for me to get a job. So I got a job as an assistant director at the news station. So I was helping with newscasts and all these other shows that they did there. And it, I learned a great deal, but then he called me like almost a year into it and said, Hey, would you be interested in coming to New York to work for the network, the CBS? 
And which is funny because Bruce, when I was in college, I used to tell all my friends, I'm going to work for CBS sports one day. I didn't know it was going to be two years out of school. Wow. So, so yeah. So now I'm up in New York working for CBS sports. My work's being shown all over the world now. And that's where I ran into something I didn't like. And that was the corporate America. Uh, And all the, I I wish I ran into what I call the isms. I saw sexism, racism, nepotism all in one place. Oh, wow. And I didn't like it. And the thing is, they didn't like me either. So (laughs) they just, they said, we're not going to renew your contract. And I I, I think they were, they were surprised that I wasn't upset (laughs) because I had a professor in college tell me, you haven't worked in television until you've been fired. So, (laughs) so. So I I got out of there. I still stayed in television for a little bit more. Then I I really kind of got out of it entirely. I got into business and financial services and so forth. And the media just kept calling me. You know, um, I started doing other things. But I someone's asking me to edit something. Someone's asking me to do an interview or to help them with this. And it, it just kept calling me. And I remember a friend of mine watching me work with people. And he said, you know, you're good with, uh, he said, you're, you're, you should be some type of action or productivity coach, but you really put a foot up people's butt when they were. And I said, well, I mean, that's how I, I know how to be. He says, you should be in a coach. And I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, but you need a book. Mm-hmm. I was like, a book? He said, yeah, you need to write a book. And I, you know, had never thought about writing a book. I was always good at writing, but never thought about writing a book. Mm-hmm. And he told me, um, what, I'll, I'll give you the bridge version. He told me what to do to get started writing a book. And I, I wrote it. I wrote it very fast. And then I put that book out there. And then next thing you know, a friend of mine, we, we were just networking together. And we said, let's start a, a show together. And we, this was when Blog Talk Radio was really popular. And we got we started a blog talk radio show, which we ran for like two or three years. And we had guests coming in every week. We were interviewing them. And it was it was a lot of fun. And it just started taking off when people started asking me to speak. And then I started hosting other shows with other people, like you said, at least at least three shows. Mm-hmm. And then um, I, I, I actually decided to take a break. And then that same person that asked me to write the book, he says, hey, I'm starting an online show for for black entrepreneurs called the black ceo morning show and i want you to be one of the hosts and i said okay and he said he told me all the the other hosts he had and i said oh wow i'd love to work with them so i said yeah well little did i know bruce he was setting me up because eventually all the other hosts had left to go on to do other things and i was the main host and we had other people people in there now i was now the producer of the show and the director of the show and the host and he said yeah, that was my plan originally. He said, because I knew you were the only one that had real media experience. Oh, wow. And uh, so, yeah, I did that for a couple of years as well. We had, had a great time, got to meet some wonderful people. Um, and really, it helped me to, to grow what I was doing. And so I took a break from that. And I said, you know, this is good. This was helping him with his brand, with his show. But I need to do some things for the people that I work with. Sure. So then... I started because I was coaching more people in productivity at that time. Mm -hmm. And I started telling my clients that they need to start a podcast because with a podcast, I said, you can reach more people while you're doing something else. Your message is still out there. And I had an epiphany, Bruce, as I was telling people to get it done, get it done. I realized that people don't want to get things done. 
people want to have things done. And so I said, okay, I'm going to create a done for you type of platform so they can have it done for them and they can't give me excuses. So I created, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's really what it was. They didn't want to do it. They wanted me to have, they had it done for them. So I realized that and I started a platform to help them and started producing podcasts for people. But I realized that that wasn't enough because mm-hmm. just like I said at the top of the show, they were still missing audiences. So I started creating things such as Media Boss to help them to re- get in other forms of media and so they could reach a lot of people at the same time. So coming full circle, that's pretty much how I, I started in media and how I got to where I am right now. Very interesting. Well, I know that your first book was Why Didn't You Get It Done? What's your most recent book that you've written? The most recent book is A Call to Action. Um, it's a, a Call to Action, execute, the Keys to Executing in an International Business World. Mm-hmm. Um, that when I was having, when I was hosting the radio show, the, uh, the Lexio Morning Show, one of the gentlemen that we interviewed, his name was uh, Dr. Clyde Rivers, mm-hmm. and he started an organization called I Change Nations, where they promote civility all around the world. And I met him in person in Detroit at a conference, and I, little did I know they were giving me an award there. And he and I got to sit down and talk afterwards. And we just formed a, a friendship. And he came to the D.C. area a little while after that. And we met up. And he says to me, he says, you know what, Barrett, I want you to write a book. I said, okay, I've written books before. He said, I want you to write it on executing. I want you to, I want you to talk to, about executing, but I want you to tie it to more of an international flavor, a global mm-hmm. flavor. And I said, okay, I can do that. And he said, now, thank you, man. This is the funny thing. He said, I think we may have an honorary doctorate in it for you. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. I didn't think anything. I honestly didn't think anything of it. But I said, I'm going to do the book. So I did the book, and I sent him the book, and he loved it. He did the foreword for the book. He loved it, and he said he's going to put it in the hands of some dignitaries and some kings in, in different countries. I'm like, are you serious? So when COVID hit, I was walking around the block getting some air one day. My phone dings, and there's an image of a diploma, honorary doctorate, and humanities, Dr. Barrett Matthews. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) He did it. And then he also sent me another one that said he named me a civility, a world civility ambassador with I Change Nations. And so that that book uh, helped me to get my doctorate and also helped me to get on other platforms where people actually want to want to speak to me and learn what I'm doing. So we're also he and I now just and just long story short, he was actually named a king in, in, in part of Ghana now. And so he asked me to be uh, one of his royal advisors. And he um, wants me to start a media monarch program to help people in Ghana to learn more on media. So we're doing that as well. Oh, so you're in the process of doing that now? Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's exciting. Now, do you get to go to Ghana as well? Yeah, as part I will of this? be. I will be eventually going to, to Ghana. We're, we're putting everything together for that. But yeah, we, I will be going to Ghana. And we want to teach people more on um, media from, a, especially the journalism perspective, from a real journalism. You know, um, America, we've gotten so, um, we, journalism has died and sensationalism has taken its place. And I want to get back to journalism where we actually report facts and not just try to give conjecture and gossip and rumors and stuff. I want to get away from that. And how is that possible to reverse back? Because it feels like we've gotten to this place where there's no going back. Well, in in America, I agree with you. I agree. 
But as, as he put it in Ghana, he said a lot of them, he said, you have to approach media there as if we're in the 1800s. Oh. He said, because they don't know a lot about it. He said, so if I can teach them journalism from a perspective of, of how it's supposed to be done, then we, we don't have to worry about that. But, you know, a lot of people follow the American way in different countries. We just have to get them away from that because you're right. I, I don't I don't see going back in America. I, I just don't. We, we've gotten so far into it now yeah. that it's, it's more about whose life can we ruin today instead, instead of actually helping people to move forward. Have you spent your whole life in America? As far as living, yes. Yeah, I visited other countries. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure, sure. So it sounds like you've lived in different parts of America. New York, Washington. Have you lived in other areas too? Yeah, I lived in Atlanta as well. I lived in Atlanta for about 15 years. Okay. I'm I'm older than I look. This is this is very interesting. I, I want to ask you if as part of mindfulness, do you meditate or do you have anything in your life that's like meditation? I I pray uh several times daily. I, I mean, before I even get out of the bed, I, I, I lay in bed and pray, mm-hmm. and, I, and I study the Bible. I do that. I do that daily. Right, and so for you, that's kind of your your form of meditation. Yeah, it helps me, it helps me to get going in the morning before I before I even get out of the bed. I, I want to make sure I do that because I, I I just believe that if, if if God blessed me to work to get up in the morning, I need to I need to make sure I recognize that. And is that what you attribute your incredibly grounded? way to like you seem well you already told us that you are not attached to the outcome and that really comes across you seem very relaxed and very happy and is that true i agree you're yeah you're you're 100 right um i it's funny i had a friend of me tell me years ago she said you're the only person i know that doesn't have any problems i said no i have just as many as the next person it's just that i don't wear them on my sleeve uh-huh. and my whole thinking is that if I can't change it, then why am I going to sit here and worry about it? Yeah. If I can change it, change it. But otherwise, I just have to move forward because life is going to go on with or without me. Right. Barrett, I want to ask you a question about bullying because I've worked in bullying prevention for a long time and, okay. and discovered how, you know, a lot of times bullying and mindfulness are connected. And if people can be like you have that mindfulness way that calmness and that you know Mm -hmm. not being attached to the outcome then a lot of times they're not affected by bullying situations the way others are do you have a story about bullying where maybe mindfulness would have made a difference well let me see Uh, um hmm. i have I read a story the other day about a young lady mm-hmm. who she was bullied in school and she was, you know, she was she started to withdraw from everything. Her mother noticed it mm-hmm. and her mother started to empower her and started to get her doing some things in media. She started, she started a blog. She started a YouTube channel. And what she started doing was letting other, she's a teenager, letting mm-hmm. other teenagers know that they are loved. and to let them know that there's someone out there who cares for you. And it was one of those things that I thought, wow, this is great. She she not only helped herself by helping those other people, but she started helping those other people. And she's now got, she's grown all these followers that got a podcast and everything. And I said, that is such a wonderful thing because she actually was feeling bad about herself. Mm -hmm. And I got to give a lot of credit to her mother in that regard too, for recognizing it and, and knowing how to help her. 
But it was just one of those things that I, I said, this is something that's needed because a lot of people, especially when they're being bullied, they need to know somebody loves them. Yeah. They need to know somebody loves them. And I just, I mean, I know as a kid for myself, I guess I could say I was bullied at some point, but I just, I don't know. I, we, I, I, you know, it, it was a different time then, and we looked at it a, a little differently, I think, then, because the social media wasn't around. Right, exactly. And, and you know, we, we, we got bullied as a kid, but it was, it was more playful, I think, mm-hmm. to us then. I mean, I didn't, get, I didn't get, like, beat up by kids or anything like that. I got, you know, called names or, you know, made fun of yeah. for one thing or another. And those same people are good friends of mine right now. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's nothing that, you know, that stuck with me that made me just feel so bad. Like today, I, I feel so horrible for some of these youngsters today because, I, and I, I remember I was, when, when years ago, not not too long ago, I was saying to people that, you know, well, we all got bullied. It was no big deal. But then I realized, I said, no, this is different. Yes. I said, this is totally different. I said, because you're getting bullied on social media. You don't even know the bully. Exactly. And you may never meet the bully. And you can't do anything to go after them. And then you have strangers who don't know you coming after you, telling you all these things. And it's, I, I can't imagine what that's like to be a, a kid. I can't imagine what it's like because you can't stop it. And, and it's one of those things that a lot of the kids, they withdraw and they don't tell their family or their parents or whomever or someone in power to, to, to stop it. And they live with it. And it, it's just one of those things. And then they end up doing horrible things to themselves sometimes. And I just, it, it definitely would help to be mindful of who you are, who you are and your situation and, and understand that that bully is really t- hurting inside themselves a lot of times. And that's why they do these things. Yeah, for sure. Do you have family? Oh, I have. Well, I don't, I don't have a wife and kids, not yet, but yeah. um, I do, I do have a, I have a large family. My, I have, I have three siblings, but my mother is one of 13 kids. Okay. She's the oldest of 13. And my father is one of 10 kids. So I have cousins growing up the woodwork. And, right. and uh, so, yeah, and I have aunts and uncles all over the place. So, Oh, that's awesome. And so what do your family connections teach you about mindfulness? Wow, that's a good question. My, my family, hmm, the connect, the one thing I, you know, it, it's one of the things that my family, and I, and I don't take this for granted, like I said, I don't, I don't believe in taking things for granted, is that they have basically made me realize the importance of support. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I may not agree with everything my family does. They may not agree with everything I do, but we support each other. And that it goes a long way in shaping my mind as to how I see things. Because it's one thing knowing when you go through something that you're all alone. Mm-hmm. It's a total different thing when you have the mindset, you know, I got support. No matter what, if I fail, I have people behind me. If I do well, I have people behind me. And that carries you and that stays with me. And no matter, no matter what, I know my family's there. Like, I've, I mean, I had COVID earlier in the year. I knew, you know, my family was there. Right. And you know, no, no matter what happens, we, we've always, we'll always be there for each other. And I, and, I, and I say that, Bruce, because I know people, I know close friends who don't have that support from their families. 
and I've seen it. And it, I just and they asked me, so what would you do if your family member did? I said, my family wouldn't do that. I can't right. I can't understand it because my family just doesn't do those things. And so it's just it is I, I don't take it for granted because I see the difference in other people's lives and how it affects them. Um, it affects a lot of people emotionally, mentally, and, and because of the way their family treats them, close family members. And I see that that can be very hurtful to somebody if you don't have it. And like they're talking about mindfulness, a lot of them are not there because they just don't have that support to begin with to get them to that point. Yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah, well, that's that's really awesome to hear how much support you get in your family. I know you have a website that is five ways to paying clients.com five ways yeah. to paying clients.com. What can we expect to find when we go there, Barrett? Well, it's a, it's a complimentary training I put together for people. Um, I, I've taught people on a lot of different things and I did, I want to put something together that they don't have to pay for. <laughs> so, and what it is is to show them, that there are a lot of people out there that want to be your clients. They want to pay you. But the things that a lot of us have been taught have geared us totally away from getting paying clients. So what I do in this is I show them, like, these are some things that you have been doing, and these are some ways that you can change things to make it so that it can be better for you so you can get those paying clients. Because a lot of us have in business, we've run into what I call the tire kickers, the people that ask a lot of questions about our business and right. still aren't going to pay for anything. Yeah. And we, you know, in business, you can't make money doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and so what I want to do is show people that there are ways that you can do that and you can reach, you can reach those people that want to pay you, reach, reach the clients that you want and stop, stop dealing with the tire kickers. Right. Well, maybe even turn the tire kickers into paying clients. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. Well, Barrett, I want to uh, move forward in the in the interview by asking you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second well, answers are perfect. The first one okay. is this. Who is one person who has been a very powerful mindfulness influence for you in your life? Um, a lady I used to work with in a network marketing. Her name was Peggy Hightower. She oh. actually is, um, I was with uh, Primerica years ago. And oh, yeah. Peggy, she is one of the one of the millionaires in Primerica now, but she helped shape a lot of the way I think, the way I do things, and the way I read, everything. So she helped me a great deal. She's like a, another mother to me. Nice. How has mindfulness affected how you deal with your emotions? It helped me a great deal. I used to be one of those people who I would, I remember, this is a real story. I remember one day I got a flat tire. I changed the tire. I let it bother me all day long. And then I just realized, I'm like, why am I worrying about something that's already done? So now I'm at, my, my mind is in a different place now. I, if I can change it, I change it. I move on with the rest of my day. It, it's just that's like that now. Right. And that comes across. It comes across that you just let <laughs> things you. go. You've got this ability. To I let do. I let go. things go. There you that go. That is awesome. And my next question is about breathing. Do you have any comments about breathing or any certain uh, suggestions for our listeners about breathing and how it can help them in the area of mindfulness? Um, yeah. It is funny because I was just telling someone this the other day who was uh, building up some stress on something. I know that's tough. Just breathe. If you, if a lot of times when we when we go through a lot of things, we, we stop ourselves from breathing normally. And if we allow ourselves to breathe normally, we, we notice a sense of calm that comes over us. And when that calm comes over us, then we can start to think clearly and get and get things done appropriately. So true. 
Yes. Your books, I highly recommend. Why Didn't You Get It Done? And A Call to Action. Are there any other books that you would recommend that are related to mindfulness? Um, I, I know there are, but I'm drawing a blank right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm drawing a blank. I, I, I'm sure there are, but I have another book called Fifty Shades of Wealth. But um, Okay. But yeah. Um, geez. Ah, my God, why am I drawing a blank right now? Because I, I read, I have so many doggone books here. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about your book, Fifty Shades of Wealth. Well, what I did is I, I've been blessed to learn from some great minds in business. Mm-hmm. And what I did is I interviewed them and I just put them all in a book. And so that people can learn that there's not, there's more than one way to be successful, but all of them have certain mindset to help them to be successful. So I put that in the book called Fifty Shades of Wealth. Interesting. So are there 50 interviews in there? There are not. There, there, um, there were 10. Uh-huh. And I, 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 the reason I thought of the title, I, I did an event years ago called Fifty Shades of Wealth with a, with a friend of mine. And we did it because it was the, that, that was when the book was real hot. Yeah. And we just played on the title. And then we did, well, we, we did an event. And mm-hmm. then one of the people who participated in it said, so when are you going to do the book? <laughs> so, so you did so, it. I guess I got to do a book. Yeah. So that's yeah. what, that's what came out of it. No, there aren't 50 people. I, I, I thought about doing more of them, but I, I, the whole 50 shades thing died down. So I said, let me let that go. Yeah, sure. Sure. Is there an app that you use or you recommend to people to use that is related to mindfulness? Actually, the only one I use is the Bible app. Okay. The Bible app. And I, I, I get on that daily. The, just, I mean, the, the, the thing I like about it is that, I can actually play it so I can just listen. I can close my eyes and just listen to someone reading scripture to me. And then it allows me to comment each day. I have a daily thing, so I do it every day. Okay, so you, how much do you listen to each day? Um, it's probably about a good 15 minutes of it, maybe um, maybe more. But it's it cover about three different books in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Not the whole book, but different, different passages of it. And every day, so it's like, it's called Bible in a Year. It's the part of, in the, in the, in the app, it's called Bible in a Year. So every day for a whole year, go over different parts of the Bible. And at the end of each day, it, it asks you, you know, what are your comments? And so and is that like journaling for you? It's like journaling, but you can also do it in a group. So oh. Normally, I, this is the only year I didn't do it in a group. I usually do it every year in a group. But I did it by myself this year just to see what it what it was like to just do it by myself. But I think I'm going to go back to the group again. And so when you journal, and I know you do a lot of writing, do you do it on a keyboard? Do you do it on your phone? Do you do it by hand? What do you use? I can do all of that. Um, yeah. I do all of that because I believe, some may call it because of my advanced age, um, that you should write down your thoughts because you, you can't keep them all in your head all the time. And, and it's good to just write down a lot of things. But I prefer writing it by hand because there's something about the synapse with, you know, with your mind and your hand when you're actually writing it down that actually makes it stick a little bit more. But I prefer that even more. So when you wrote your books, is that what you did? I didn't. I didn't. I actually, I, I transcribed my, my thoughts. Okay. I transcribed my thoughts in, in, in recording. And I just, um, I, I, I Take them and I transcribe them and help write the book. And so, did you usually do it, say, over like a week or so, and then you transcribed it all, or did you do it over a longer period of time? 
Here's the other week or so. I did the, the, the first one I did. In, uh, why didn't you get it done? I did it in six days. Mm-hmm. And um, then um, a call to action. It took me a little longer. And 50 Shades of Wealth was not my voice. It was other people. So I just had to set up interviews for them. Right. And have them transcribe. Yeah. Yeah. So that took longer because I had to get on their schedule. Right. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, I uh, I think it's it's fascinating to talk to you about how to do everything all at once and stay calm about it. Stay mindful about <laughs> it and don't let it be overwhelming. Don't let it uh, don't get yourself connected to the outcome. So when you put a post up somewhere, don't worry whether you get any comments or you don't. Right. Is that right? Was there ever a time where you uh, got really upset about haters or oh, you had yeah. to deal with that. And, uh, was there, tell us about that. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I'll be honest. Most of my business life, I was, I was just, I used to get attached to the outcome. I would get, I would try to close sales with people. And I would get mad when I went through all of this work and then they said, no, they walked away and I, and I would, it, I would let it bother me. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and even though I had heard my, my mentor, he told me don't get attached to the outcome. I wasn't listening. Yeah. I wasn't listening. And then it was a few years ago, I was at a conference and I had clients coming up you know, one by one. They scheduled time to meet with me. And I said, I'm going to put this into action. I'm really going to implement this, not getting attached to the outcome. I made more sales that day than ever. Wow. That's because I, just, I didn't care. I, my, my job was to educate them on what I did and listen to them. If they wanted more help, they would tell me. And I made more money that day because I made more, I made more sales because... I wasn't attached to whether they said yes or no. Right. Right. Well, it's really fascinating talking to you. And uh, as we wrap up the interview, I just want to ask you for any words of advice for anybody listening to this, that is just impressed with how you're able to let things go and be calm and be grounded and yet be quite an achiever and have this philosophy of being, be everywhere all at once. What words of advice would you have for our listeners? Set out to serve others. Set out, make, don't make it about yourself. Set out to serve others. Because if, you're, if your goal is to set out to serve, then you won't have to worry about being attached to an outcome because you're just serving people. You won't have to worry about what's coming in because you're just serving people. If you focus on those things, you won't get too stressed out about life on your own because your your heart is really thinking about someone else at that time. So that's why I would say serve other people. Okay, good advice. Well, it's been great to meet you. Great to talk to you on the show. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. All the best to you, Barrett. Thank you. Have a great day. God bless. I will. Bye now. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening to the episode. And you know what? You may have heard it. I have a new sponsor. And here on the show, we're often talking about the health of your body and mind. And of course, the health of your body and mind begins with eating and drinking the right things every day. And that includes incredibly healthy pomegranate juice palm wonderful 100% pomegranate juice is awesome and I have to tell you that it's just so delicious and 700 milligrams of polyphenol antioxidants in every serving this 100% juice from whole pressed pomegranates helps protect your body against harmful free radicals palm contains no added sugars preservatives or fillers 
and it's just so healthy to drink every day. You can find delicious recipes and learn more about the antioxidant goodness of palm by going to palmwonderful.com. Take what we've learned today, Mindful Tribe, to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.